also that time of the year that we are uh, beginning enrollment for the fall in the uh, choir. And we would just love to make you aware of that and invite you to uh, sign up either today or next Sunday in the foyer. The 21st and the 28th are the only Sundays that we'll be doing this. And, um, you know, I tell you, Pastor Dave, he said he's got a club 12. You know, that sounds like a wonderful opportunity, right? I mean, only 12 times a year. Well, if that's not enough for you and you want a little more activity, we've got a club, another club called Club 52 that sings almost 52 Sundays out of the year. But uh, what a wonderful blessing. Choir, would you consider being in the choir blessing in your life? Well, I think that, uh, you know, it would be a blessing to you as well, especially if you have a gift of music or a gift of singing. Or even if you wouldn't consider yourself to have a gift, you have a desire to sing. You enjoy singing. How many of you enjoy music, Christian music? How many of you love to sing in the shower? All right, well, I'd like to see all of you at the foyer today. But... Um, you know, I just want to encourage you not to bury that gift, but to dig it up, dust it off, and put it to use in the kingdom of God for His glory. Amen. We'd love to have you this year in the choir. This Sunday and next Sunday is the sign-up, and we're having an orientation on the 31st, uh, Wednesday the 31st, in the choir room for all of the new folks. And it'll be a time of fellowship and getting to know you, and um, it'll be a great time. So come on out. The choir is going to sing tonight, uh, today. We're going to celebrate the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he said, I'm going away, but I'm sending you a comforter. Amen. Aren't you glad today that although he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he sent us his Holy Spirit. To be our guide, to be our comfort, to empower us. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what we want to sing about today.
hand, everybody. Come on. After you stood while we tarry for about ten more seconds, clap your hands deliberately. Come on. Do it passionately. The Holy Ghost is the comforter, and He is here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Remain standing for the word, please. And before you descend, choir, I, I would. I would join Pastor Chad and ask God to fill every chair in this choir. I was in this choir praying this week, and I said, God, we put on another row out here. Because everybody has a song. And I know not everybody will sing in the choir, but more of us probably could. Because God would be glorified by using our gifts and talents for Him. So thank you for making you yourself the envy of worship. Because when we see you worship, we want to worship also. And we are. God bless you. As you descend, choirs, you remain standing, church. Please go to the text from last Sunday in continuation of today's uh, the series on the Holy Spirit. That would be 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Oh, do not leave us and do not depart, Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 for our lesson today. And just to, just to get us on the same page here. I've been talking about three Sundays, it's the fourth Sunday now, about the power-driven life, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been trying to show you that after you get saved, there's more power to live for Jesus, overcome temptations, do what is right, than the power you get when you get saved. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps you to get saved. Can I get an amen? He is the one, when you hear a sermon or a song or somebody witnesses to you and about your need for Christ... And how Jesus loves you and would save you and you don't have to go to hell, you can go to heaven. It's the Holy Spirit who makes your heart tender and calls you to receive Christ. That's when you get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But even after you get saved, and I've been saying this not to just be redundant, even after you get saved, you realize you still have, you live in a house of flesh. You still have thoughts and probable past desires that will drag you back into the wrong stuff you need to overcome. You still have people around you that might influence you the wrong way. You have appetites you have to control and you can't just go and do and say and behave like you want to and expect to be born again. And so Jesus said he's going to give us power when the Holy Spirit has come. It's going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm saying to you is you kind of got when you get saved, you get a, a new driver at the wheel of your car. You get a new pilot. At the control of your airplane. Can I get an amen? I'm talking about you. You, you, you get a, a new GPS system. After you get saved, you're not being driven by your flesh, your desire, feel good, do it, whatever, don't care what anybody thinks. After you get saved, the Holy Ghost moves in. And He says, I want to give you more, more, more power. And sometimes you don't even realize what you got. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Show you what you got and tell you to use it. And then all of a sudden I get this thought in my head. I was back coming home yesterday, returned back to Noonan for being in Austell, Georgia from a funeral. And I stopped over at, uh, at the Kroger's here and it just began to rain. Uh, and I had to pick up a few items for, for the house and our grandson was there. And, and so it's just, I was parked uh, maybe uh, just a little distance, probably about 100 yards or maybe, maybe even more, 200 yards from getting right under covering. I had an umbrella in my hand, but I thought, Open it up, stick it up, put it over my head. I could beat this rain. I got this umbrella and I'm walking. And I, pull, I get to the curb right in time and the car pulls right beside me and rolls down her window. Say, that's why you got that umbrella in your hand, Pastor. Turn it up and open it up so you won't get wet. 
And she meant well. She comes to this church. Uh, she used to attend here, but after that. Anyhow, uh, and I said, you're right. And over a sudden, the Holy Ghost says, see there? What you're teaching, you need to learn. You got it. Use it. You don't even know what you got. Unfold the Bible. Read it. Unfold the Holy Ghost. Receive it. There's more. Okay, now, after that's sermon number one. Let's get to number two. Number 14 of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. I mean, that's a tall order just by itself. But there's more. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. There's another command that's not easy, but doable. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Amen, church? Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The word sanctify means to set apart. May God set apart you you, for his service. Separate you. May he sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we didn't go on to verse 24, we'd have a hard time realizing how in the world we're ever going to do all this stuff. But he gives us the answer. He who calls you is faithful. God called us. Jesus called us. The Holy Spirit called us. He is faithful. And if he asks you to do all this stuff, he will also also, he will do it. Everybody say, he will do it. One more time, say, he will do it. I want to help you, and he wants to help you. Stretch your hands in my direction so that this becomes a meaningful time. Pray for me, would you, for a few seconds? Father, I receive the prayers of the saints. And those who are not yet in the kingdom, I'm grateful they're here because they obeyed your voice. And God, I know that, that we are a Sunday. I know it's sometimes after church family time and all. I know all about that. So I don't want to be lengthy and boring and dry and dead. I just pray that you'd help me to be alive and quickened as everybody else should be alive and quickened. Amen, church? I pray for fresh anointing. I pray for a double portion. I pray for the Holy Ghost to refill me and baptize me and refill and baptize everybody here. We can be better spouses. We can be better students. We can be better workers and employees. We can be better whatever our titles and hats we wear. However old or young we may be, we need more power in 2011 from God. So send out power even in a greater measure today for everyone that will receive it. And if you be one that's glad that he gives it, would you say amen? amen? Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Praise you, Jesus. Let me hasten. Because sometimes I'm in a study and I get wrapped up in what I did before and can't move on to the past. But I'm going to give you these thoughts because these thoughts that I'm sharing with you now on seven dangerous sins against the Holy Spirit is where I began last week. I got to number five of the seven, okay? And I said to you that the Holy Spirit is not a it, and the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He has a personality. Can I get an amen? Okay. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is God's agency in this world. To 
And I said last week, and I'm just going to refresh, to lead us, guide us, teach us, help us, empower us. The Holy Spirit, after we get saved, comes in and He gives us the baptism of the Spirit as we ask for it, like a gift. To give us power to say no to the things that will cause us to fall away from the Lord. God, as we know it, and each of the, each of the personalities of the triune God, we recognize their power in everything, but sometimes singularly we designate certain powers to certain person of the triune. For example, we know God is the creator and the sustainer of the whole world. Can I get an amen? And then we know Jesus Christ is the savior of everyone who is not born again, not, not serving the Lord. They are on their way to hell without Hope, unless they give their heart to Jesus Christ and ask Him to save them. He is the Savior of sinners. Amen? Then we know the Holy Ghost is our baptizer. And so in saying all that, just like we can resist God and resist Jesus, we can resist the Holy Ghost. Just like we can sin against God and Jesus, we can sin against the Holy Spirit. And I'll just touch on these for a reminder's sake. Last week I told you that one can sin against the Holy Spirit by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You need to get the CD. Because there's a lot of teaching going on out there about what blasphemy is. And I explained it last week. I told you that the word blasphemy means to speak disparaging of the Holy Spirit. To speak insulting of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy means I know what is right. I know about God. I know about the Bible. I'm not ignorant about it. But, but I don't care about God. I don't care about the Holy Spirit. I don't care about church. And it's a blatant, really uh, uh, in your face, insulting the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, and you know the scriptures there, that, that if you sin against the Holy Spirit, you'll never be forgiven. This life or the life to come. But there's all kinds of teachings out there about what blasphemy is. I heard one this week. After I taught this, I heard one this week on television of a television preacher saying that blasphemy, somebody wrote in and said, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Ghost? I'm not sure, maybe I have, and I'm beyond hope. And the preacher said, to the, the, the response to the person who texted in or emailed their question about this particular passage in Matthew 12, that you've not blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And I thought, you don't even know the guy. Is he saved or not saved? And then, then he said... Blasphemy means that only when the Antichrist comes on the scene in the last days, that you deny God and deny Christ and you speak against God, then you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. That is not biblical. That's an erroneous answer. This text nowhere speaks about the Antichrist or the end days, or that's the only time when somebody can blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm not here to make you feel like you blaspheme. Matter of fact, I don't think you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't even be in this church this morning. You wouldn't even be led here if you blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And anybody who can say Jesus Christ is Lord and mean it has not blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? But there's more about that. Buy the CD. That's why we sell them. Okay, number two. Another way that you sin against the Holy Spirit is by lying to the Holy Spirit. I told you last week that Ananias and Sapphira, two people in the church lied about a general a gift they were making to the church. They made it sound like they were giving more than they were because they wanted people to make a big to-do about their offering. And they lied to the Holy Ghost. Number three, they tested the Holy Ghost, Acts 5 and 9. And both husband and wife fell dead in the house of God. He first, she three hours later, because this thing about lying to the Holy Ghost and testing the Holy Ghost is a serious business. 
It's a sin against him. The fourth thing I told you last week was trafficking the Holy Spirit. There's a man in Acts chapter 8 whose name is Simon. He was a sorcerer. He dealt in the occult. He dealt in voodoo. He dealt in witchcraft. And he charged people money so he could uh, bring curses off of them and give them little trinkets and all kind of stuff so they can do their voodoo and, and get rid of all kind of junk. In other words, he was making money off of darkness. But he saw Peter and John praying with people in Samaria. And he went to a prayer meeting and he saw the Holy Ghost fall on the people they were praying with. And the power of God came down. And there were certain manifestations of the glory of God. Until this man Simon thought, man, I wish I had that power. I could sell that too. And he offered money to the apostles to do it. And how many know God's power is not up for sale? Can I get an amen? If you don't know it, say amen anyhow. You can't buy the Holy Ghost. He ain't up for sale. And He ain't up to make nobody rich by giving them His power. Somebody else say amen. And so that's a way to sin against the Holy Spirit. And then last week I stopped at this one, resisting the Holy Spirit. I told you about Stephen. I told you about others in the Bible who resist the Holy Spirit. And I told you that we can resist the Holy Spirit. Which leads me, and I'll come back to that in a moment. It leads me to number six. I didn't get there last week, but I'll I'll get you number six right now. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 and 30, the Bible says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We're talking to Christian people. We're talking to people who've already been born again. Who can grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and beyond, the verse I have noted here, that when we quarrel and fuss with one another, we grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about when people are jockeying for position in the church and power and influence and leadership. And there's disunity in the body of Christ. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen here, somebody? It grieves the Holy Spirit when we argue and fuss with our companions and our children and our family. When we know better, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Can I get another amen here? It grieves the Holy Spirit when He tells us to do certain things that will build us up and bless us and make our lives better, and and we don't do it. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we want somebody to forgive us, but we're not willing to forgive somebody when He tells us to. Give Give me an amen. It grieves the Holy Spirit when He tells us to bring the tithe and the offerings in the house of God and honor God first because everything you have, God gave you, including especially your soul and your breath. And it grieves the Holy Spirit when we take God's money and we buy things for ourselves. And and we patronize our own selves. And we know God says there are other people who need to hear the gospel. There are orphans. There are widows. There are other kinds of ministries and missions and other things that I want you to help sow so I can bless you. But when we take what belongs to God and keep it for ourselves, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's a sin. But then I take you to number seven. Quenching the Holy Spirit. This is where I'll spend most of our time today. And the Bible says in our text, you read it, I read it, we said it together. Do not quench the Spirit. And so, how does one quench the Holy Spirit? This explanation of the word quench can be defined as follows. To extinguish a flame. The word quench means to suppress or stifle something. And as it relates to the Holy Spirit... One of the translations of Scripture says, Do not ever put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, not literally, literally, but figuratively. The old nature of sin, the devil and his demons, if there were any in you, have been cast away and moved out. Because you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But God puts a little fire of passion in you. 
as it was on the days of Pentecost, on in Acts 2, there was a literal fire, a literal fire over the heads of all 120 people in that room when the Holy Spirit came in the form of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Am I right? Is it in the Bible? I told you there was a wind, there was a fire, and then there were tongues in language. And one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is like this PowerPoint, it's fire. And the symbol of fire is used to represent the Holy Spirit. It means that it will be a fire of purification. A fire of cleansing. How many of some of the, the precious ores like gold and silver, etc. And precious metals, in order for them to be precious and most valuable, the, the, the blacksmith or whomever has to take that ore like gold in its raw state and have to put it in the furnace in order for the film and the impurities to be burned out so it can be a 100% pure gold. Oh, I'm preaching and you ain't, yeah. That's the way we are when we, even after we come to Christ, there's still some impurities need to be burned out. There's still some dross, film, residue. And God's got to put us back in the fire, the good fire of the Holy Spirit. And so, if we extinguish the flame or stifle the flame... We stifle what God... When John said about Jesus Christ being the one who will give us the Holy Spirit, send the Holy Ghost and baptize us. You remember when John said that? John the Baptist, when they asked him if he was the Messiah, and, and John says, no, I'm not the Messiah. I baptize you with water, water baptism. We baptized 20 people last Wednesday night. Can I get an amen? John says, I baptize you with water, but there's coming one after me whose sandals, the laces on his sandals, I can't even lace up because he's such honorable, I don't even want to touch him. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And John says about Jesus, his fan is in his hand. And how many of you know that if you don't fan a fire or stoke a fire along the way, if it's left to itself, it'll fizzle and die out? Give me a witness here. You ever use charcoal to barbecue your burgers? Yeah. Or any kind of flavored wood. I don't know if you have flavored wood, was hickory oak, whatever. You 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 put your charcoal out there in that grill, and you you're anticipating some pork chops, or, or, or some steak, or some hamburgers. You cover that charcoal too soon after you light it, and that thing will stifle and never burn. So you got to lift that lid every once in a while and let the let the air circulate. You every once in a while you got to grab you a, a piece of cardboard. I feel a but I'm too, dif- I'm too distinguished to go act like an idiot. You got to take a piece of cardboard. Go where that charcoal is. Lift that lid. And it starts, the, the, the ashes start falling and the embers start glowing. And now you know the fire is ready. When you come to church, that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do with you. And I'm the fan. <laughs> Woo. Some of you are thinking, you're qualified to be your loud mouth thing. I rebuke you. I quench that spirit. (laughs) You come to church on Sunday because the Lord wants to fan the fire of the Holy Ghost. Let me show you how you can quench the Spirit of God. You can quench the Spirit of God by ignoring the things of God. I take it that you didn't quench the Spirit of God this morning because you came to church anyhow. Can I get an amen? The crowd who preceded you did not quench the Spirit of God, but some people did. The Holy Spirit woke you up this morning and said, it is my day. 
I give you 168 hours in the week. I'm asking for two, almost three of those hours to give back to me on the Lord's Day. And and in your gratitude for me giving you 168 hours, I, I want you to get up, get ready, and get to the house of God and don't quench my spirit. Because one of the teachings of the Word of God that tells us it's the thing of God is the Bible says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together at the house of God. The church is meant to be the place where you get the fire fanned. The church is meant to be the place where you come to a spiritual gas station and you get filled up for the next week. Can I get an amen? The church is meant to be the place where you come and get a booster shot. Oh, somebody ought to say praise the Lord. But you did not quench the Holy Ghost. You got up. You may have had a sore throat. You may have had a hundred other things to do. But you said, this is the Lord's day. The thing of God is to honor Him in His house. And here you are. Give the Lord some thanks. Now, listen. If you don't give personal attention to the things of God when the Holy Spirit tells you, the fire is going to go out. Write this down and remember it. Almost anything alive will die from lack of attention. I want to say it again. Almost anything alive will die from a lack of attention. Oh, help me here. I counsel people all the time for various reasons and more prominently for marriage. And I have lived long enough and counseled enough in 26 years to know that if a marriage is to stay alive, it must be attended to. Did you all hear what I just said? Now, I am not going to use your counsel time with me to exploit this message. I'm not going to call names or even give scenarios. I'm, I'm understanding the confidentiality. But I can speak generically enough for you to know what I'm talking about. I have had people come to my office who have sat in the chair and who have said, I never thought it would come to this. I never thought he would leave me. I never thought she would leave me. After 10 years, 20 years, 30 years of marriage, all I never thought they would do it. And they've come to realize that somewhere along the way, the fire of our marriage went into a flicker, then it went into a spark, then it got ashes over it, and I didn't give attention, I didn't pay attention, I didn't ask forgiveness, I didn't seek forgiveness, I didn't give forgiveness, I didn't say I love you. Anybody hear me? You and I are married to the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are married to Christ. Can I get an amen? There's a spiritual wedding took place when you and I got saved. We became the bride of Christ, and it is His job to send the Holy Ghost. The choir said the comforter has come. It's our job to receive and fan the fire of God by obeying His Word. i, I got to hurry. I don't know why I have to yell. The Holy Spirit calls you to pray. That's one of the things of God. The devil don't call you to pray. Help me here, somebody. Huh? The devil don't call you to read the Bible. That's another thing of God. Why would the devil want you to read the Bible? He wants you to read Time Magazine, People Magazine, and the Atlanta Constitution. I just had a thought in my head. I can't say that. It's God. The Holy Spirit says, come to church, read your Bible, pray, forgive, love. Those are all things of God. And when you quench your spirit of God, you put out the fire of God in your life. And, and, and I'm saying to you that, you know, there are times when, you, when God says, I don't want you to call your grandma to pray. I want you to pray. I don't want you to call 1-800-PRAYER-TOWER. I want you to pray. 
I don't want you to call the pastor, the staff, or the elders. I want you to pray. It's time you get off the milk of being a Christian and being a little baby in spiritual diapers. And I want you to bow your head. I want you to bend your knees. I want you to go to Monday night prayer. I want you to come to the altar. I want you to open your mouth so that you cannot quench my spirit. I'm trying to teach you how to pray. Somebody else, don't eat your steak and your hamburger and your chops and you get strength from it. I don't know why I'm on food, but I may be hungry. Huh? You'll go out to dinner this afternoon or you'll have dinner at your own house and you won't pass it on to somebody that says, eat that, I need nourishment. I'm a preaching little Indian. And your hand never seen one? Yeah. You've got to read your own Bible if you're going to know the Scripture to defeat the devil with your own eyes and with your own mind. Come on, say amen, somebody. You've got to come to the house of God yourself and quit staying at home and saying, I got my own television preacher, okay? And I know you ain't there. I'm just preaching to the choir. But I know people who say, well, I got my own television preacher and I'll send him my money. I don't have to go to church. Yeah, when you get sick, you call him and ask him to come visit you in the hospital. Yeah, television preacher. When there's a death in your family, you call him and say, my mama or my grandmother needs somebody to preach their funeral. Am I preaching or am I not preaching? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you yourself must Honor and obey and yield to the Spirit of God about the things of God if you're going to grow and thrive. Enough of that. You can quench the Spirit of God by someone else's influence in your life. Oh, I'm a preacher right here. Do you know that certain folks in your life, including some Christian folks, can be known as spiritual fire extinguishers? Yeah. Spiritual fire extinguishers. You get the fan of the Holy Ghost blowing on you and your embers go from ashes to burning and you, you get a little whoop glory in you. You ain't yet as bold as I am yet. And I, I never was always this bold. You know, I was a more sophisticated, praise God, with my pinky preacher until I got the Holy Ghost. Anybody hearing me? But sometimes the people sitting beside you, behind you, in front of you can cause you to quench the Spirit of God. I'm not asking you here to come and do spiritual gymnastics every week and turn flips and fall over. Uh-uh. But some of you ain't near no danger. No danger of that happening. Yeah. It reminds me of a church where, where a man fell over dead from a heart attack. And they called 911 to come and get the man, pick him up. And they took up about 20 members out of the church before they found the right man. The place was so dead. So don't you all, don't you quench this word. Some of you ain't near getting happy about Jesus yet. But you can worry about what somebody else thinks and what somebody else says. And the Lord says, raise your hands and praise me. The Lord says, sing out the song with them. The Lord says, don't have a sullen face like you just had persimmon for breakfast, whatever that was. Smile a little bit. Be a little bit happy. Be, don't, don't worry. You know, you let your boyfriend drag you to do things you shouldn't do. You let your ex and your now your present do things. You make, you make somebody on the ball team or the athletic team. We go to, we go to the ball game and the football game because we want to fit in. We do weird and stupid things. And we come to the house of God. God just says, praise me. We sit back like we're dead at four o'clock in the morning. I'm preaching to you. Yeah. We let other people on what they... Oh, but when we go to the ball game, we go to the Braves game, they got that big old gigantic Panavision scream or whatever screen that, you know, and then they have this, this live cam and, and you get out there and, you, and they run the camera through and you got people who were inhibited in the house of God or inhibited someplace else. Now they're on that big screen and they raise up their shirt to show everybody their big beer belly. They ain't inhibited. I'm preaching. Now the bud camera is coming. Hold up your bud. I'm watching for some of you on TV. Yeah. 
No inhibitions. Go to a high school ball game. Go to some other place yelling louder than everybody else. Come here and somebody gets happy and a little bit overwhelmed. May not be the same decorum that you used to in your dead church from yesteryear. And all of a sudden you're quenching the Spirit of God. A spiritual fire extinguisher. You can die on the chair if you want to. But where God has brought me from and what God has done for me that you never did, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm going to worship God. Somebody. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Don't quench your spirit. Same kind of people that have been in jail 14 times and nobody wants to come deliver them the 15th time. When you come to the house of God, God's given you a 16th chance. You ought to praise God. I don't care what your college degree is. I don't care if the person you're dating has more money than they can count and you're hoping to impress them. Bless God, money will fade away and perish. But the Word of God, when you obey it, is eternal. <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. Well, okay, you're happy now. Wait till you see this. Second Corinthians chapter 6. The King James says in verse 14, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. But the New Living Translation, which I chose this morning because I thought it was more English for today. Do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with darkness? How can light live with darkness? How, pardon me, go back to the second sentence. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? Now verse 15. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with unbeliever? I'm telling you God's serious about this. We have allowed, we have allowed other people's influence in our life to make us cold and indifferent. You need to tell, and I'm going to say it again. I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. Because not everybody's here on the same Sunday. You need to tell that boyfriend or that girlfriend... You are a single adult again now. And they say, listen, God didn't mean what he said when he said, after all, we're going to get married, so we might as well have a little time together and learn, live together a little bit, see if we are compatible. Sleep together. Have intimacy outside of marriage. And the Lord said that's fornication and adultery, depending on the context. I'm just trying to help you. But somebody, oh, well, I'm going to leave you. I, I, I'm dating the, uh, the captain of the football team. And, and it's a little pressure, but, but in order to keep him, i got to do this. I've got to try a little drug, got to do a little alcohol, do a little partying, do a little lying. Anybody hearing me? You need to tell those kind of folks, if you're not going to go to heaven with me, I'm not going to go to hell with you. That's as plain as I know how to say it. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Somebody make you think, well, hell is a happy place. They play volleyball down there. What kind of hell are you talking about? <laughs> I saw it. I'm not, making, I'm not kidding you. I saw on the cover of a news magazine years ago where the theology of hell has changed. And there are flames around and folks playing volleyball, drinking beer. <laughs> I got some remarks I'd like to make about that. But I'm going to quench that flesh and obey the Spirit. So look at me. Listen, I'm teaching you, but I'm, I'm teaching you. Hear me. Some of you... Teenage girls, college age girls, and you adult women, you're single now. You're single again. 
You've gone through some stuff, but you're lonely. And so you're thinking time is going by. And I may end up getting older and nobody wants me and nobody to marry. And I may have to compromise a little bit and give up some of my list. I I, I told my daughters, I, I was praying for my daughters to find the right companions when they were in their mother's womb. I'm praying for my grandson now, 18 months old, to find the right person when that time comes. Oh, help me, Jesus. I told my girls, make you a list of who you want your Prince Charming to be. Pretty much you can look at your daddy and figure out what that's going to be. And I guess, just kidding. He'd have to have be a little bit taller, a little more hair, and less loud. And so we, we, we get this mentality, these women and young ladies, and I'm not against you, I'm for you, I'm counseling you here, okay? There ain't no more fish in this sea, so I guess I better stick with this fish I got. You know? The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If he ain't saved, or vice versa, if she ain't saved, keep fishing. Now, now, listen to me now. You may not like this, but I ain't running for no office. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I, I'm telling you that where you go fishing depends, determines the kind of fish you catch. You go in some, pardon the grammar, but you'll know what I mean. You go in some hell hole somewhere looking for a companion. Don't be surprised if you come up with a shark. Matt, you should give me five. That's good preaching, man. I meant five dollars. No, that's it. I'm only teasing you, Matt. Brother Sammy, I'm just flowing here, okay? Because you pray for me. You and Deanna intercede. We wonder why our marriage is such a mess now after one year. Well, where did you go find that fish? You did good. You did good. I got it. Because I know her daddy and mama, you came here and found this, not fish, this jewel. You know? So don't go saying, God, look what you done to me when you went fishing in some kind of swamp. And some of you need not worry. I'm praying for you, the right partner. Okay? And some of you, let me, let me tell you my little secret that you didn't know about. Reading you ain't got no fish beside you today? It's because I saw the fish you brought last Sunday, and I prayed that God would put that fish back in the sea. Yeah. Just like my daughters dragging somebody home, looking, look what I got, Daddy. I'm thinking, no, no, no. Not until we start praying. So don't feel bad at me. The reason why you are sitting alone here and it's still another Sunday is because the Holy Spirit said, make sure that that catfish is out of that goldfish life. Oh, isn't that? I know it ain't in the book about fish, but you, you all know where I'm going. How can light live with darkness? The time to negotiate marriage commitments and values is not after you say I do. 
the time to negotiate, are you born again, are you saved? And don't just get saved from me, be born again, is before you say I do. Can anybody hear me? Youth, I have done weddings for 26 years. I have written every marriage covenant and couple's name in my book that I've done for 26 years. I've written their names. I've written where I did the wedding and the date of the wedding. And I can verify them to every one of you. And occasionally I go back and I look and my spirit drops because some of them didn't make it. And I tell you, the older I get, I am not interested in doing a marriage ceremony of a man or a woman when one of them are equally or unequally yoked. Did you hear me? So you already know that there's no need to, I, I want to do your wedding. I want to bless you. I've been doing them for many years, but there's no need to come to this house and this pastor knowing you're marrying somebody who's a sinner, who's not born again, who's just patronizing and asking me to bring you to this altar and bless you when God himself doesn't bless it. You can go ahead and say amen or owe me or whatever, but that's the word of God. I'm not against you if you're already in something like that. Please. I'm not against you if you did not know better. I am praying for you. I'm loving you. And Pastor Jeff will counsel you. <laughs> How many know that God wants the best for us? So that's why he says when the Holy Spirit says, don't hang with that crowd. Don't shack up. Don't do that. Don't get with the wrong people. They'll drag you to hell. Don't quench your spirit. Let me move with haste, please. People with a spirit of performance may quench the Spirit of God. But let me show you what I mean. Sometimes people in a church service, uh, the demonstration of the power of God comes in, and some people raise their hand, they shout, the power, in the right setting. Everything must be done decently in order. Can I get an amen? Because it's inappropriate to shout and yell and interrupt the service. Okay? That's where a spirit of performance comes in. I mean, it's inappropriate to... The, the, Paul teaches us that there's... A right time for everything. But sometimes people want a little bit more attention to them and their worship. And they get in the flesh. Okay? And I've seen it and I've been again in the church for all these years. And sometimes when a manifestation, like somebody slain in the spirit. Because the spirit moves. Or somebody praises God. Or somebody may just dance a little bit in the spirit. Sometimes somebody else may imitate in the flesh... Or through their emotions, what the Spirit is doing. And if we ever get in the flesh and do things and praise and clap and shout and yell and and do other kind of things, supposedly spiritual things, in our flesh, it becomes a parade of the flesh. And it grieves the Holy Ghost. Please let me tell you that when God sent Jesus and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit... When the Holy Spirit came, the primary work of the Holy Ghost, when you read your Bible, the primary work of the Holy Ghost, first of all, is to glorify Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel, the Bible says, Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost comes, He shall glorify me. Your life and my life after we get saved is primarily, number one, not to pad our pocketbooks, not to get the world's accolade and praise, not to see how much we can do for ourselves after we are born again. We become light and salt. And our primary work with the help of the Holy Ghost is to glorify Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's why John said, I must decrease, he must increase. The Holy Spirit never comes to bless somebody's performance for the person's publicity. He comes to bless us, but not for our publicity, not for our PR. 
Can I get another amen here? And, I, and I'm moving along. Whenever we attempt to use the Holy Spirit to draw attention to ourselves, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Let me point number four very quickly. Satan, if given place, can quench the Spirit of God. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 14, the Bible says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. For every pure thing of God in the Bible, including the Holy Spirit and its manifestations, the devil has a counterfeit. You heard me, didn't you? Yeah. Everything holy, pure, righteous that will bless you, the devil has something else that's cheaper. And oftentimes he comes in as he's for you, as he's part of you. Even like an angel of light. And deceives you. Pulls you. This is what he did to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Anamari. You know the story. You know how Adam and Eve fell into sin. Because the devil appeared to Eve in the Garden. And spoke to her. With using her reasoning capacity. And his reasoning capacity. And said, you know God told you not to eat of this one tree. You and your husband. There are hundreds, maybe multitudes of other trees. And the fruit of those trees that God said you all can eat all you want to. But of this one tree known as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says in the garden, do not eat it. Because in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. The devil shows up, not argumentatively. Not like with horns and a pitchfork and fire in his eye. He says, let me paraphrase. Let's think about it. God doesn't want you to be like him. And if you eat of this fruit that he said not to, he knows you're going to be like him and you'll have your own liberty and independence and you'll be your own boss. So he don't want that. And by lying to Eve and deceiving her, surely, slowly, you see, people use God, they can use spiritual things to make an argument for unspiritual things. People can use the Bible and say, but the Bible said so. Oh my goodness, help me Jesus. There are people who will come at your house from the Jehovah's Witness and from the Mormons and take your own Bible and show you how we believe the same thing. You all hear me now. I'm just trying to tell you. That's how the devil does. It's, it's like the terrorists. And I'm being very plain here. And I'm, I'm, I've thought through what I'm saying here. So I'm not just trying to get you to pump me up. Of 9-11. We are two or three weeks away. Maybe, 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 less, maybe three weeks away from 9-11, 10th anniversary. And listen to this. Before they crashed into the Twin Towers on 9-11-2001, they were already in America for years. They are already attending our schools, our colleges, going to flight school, charting out the flight path of the airplanes that they would take, training to be pilots. They were one of us. I'm preaching if I've... I'm telling you. They look like us. They, they ate where we ate. They worship where we worship. Oh, just kind of come in one of us. But then on 9-11-2001, all hell broke loose. Because we really saw them for what they were. The terrorists. 
And I'm telling you, the devil will come in glowing lights, wonderful sounds, fancy clothes, fine speech luring you. Because he's out to kill you. And when the Holy Spirit says, don't go there, don't do that, obey him. One more thought, and I'm going to close with this. Satan's demons may move someone to show a false manifestation. Would you, would you go to Acts chapter 16, everybody? And l- let me see if I can tie this together. Pastor Chad, if, you, if you'll come in and assist me in, in the music as you always do, sir. Acts 16. Now, because he comes, you all tarry with me because the more you help me here, the faster we get done. But I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Acts 16. Are you there in Acts 16? Look, look, look at this at verse number 16. If you found it, say amen. Now it happened, Acts 16, 16, now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Stop right there. Let me give you a little explanation here, okay? You hear that and you think, that's good. She is testifying of God. Let me point this out. Go back, if you will, to verse number 16. A certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. She was a fortune teller. She had the spirit of the occult and the devil on her and... Her masters knew it. She was a slave girl. She was owned by more than one owner. Because she had powers of darkness, she would fortune tell. She would do seances. She would call up the dead. She would experiment in darkness. All kinds of occultish. And she would charge a fee. Her masters would charge a fee for her services. And they became wealthy. Because, listen to me, not all supernatural power is of God. The devil has supernatural powers too. Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas show up in town. And everywhere they go, if I was George Moxley in a revival, I'd grab a few guys and say, come on, sit on the stool. Y'all remember that? Everywhere. Well, let me just, let me just play it out. Come, Pastor Jeff, just help me. I'm not going to embarrass you because then you can use me Wednesday. I don't want that. Uh, Brother Sammy, come and stand just a little bit distance. We're going to change your agenda just for this illustration. Come on. Just, just for the illustration. I'm just playing with you. Just stay right. But get, come about five feet behind us. This is Paul and Silas. Everywhere we go, stay about five feet behind us. Oh, oh three feet. Come a little closer. Okay? Come a little more closer, a little closer because it's not so big up here. We are preaching in Philippi this week. Paul and Silas. We go to cottage meeting. We go to prayer meeting. We go, we're we're preaching. We come to the the city of Philippi. So today in the morning, we go to the marketplace. Pastor Jeff, you and I are in the marketplace. But look, three steps back. This this person, demon-possessed, but nobody thinks so, says, stay right, says, These are the servants of the Most High God. They'll point you to the way to God and salvation. Okay. So, Pastor Jeff, we go tonight. We go to this cottage prayer meeting. Here we are. The whole room is filled up. 
There were villages and people all around. They heard that God was in the city and these men are full of the Holy Ghost. Paul, this is, is Paul and Peter and Paul and others, the disciples. We're preaching. Anointing is there. And somebody yells out. These are the men of God that point you to the way of God. Okay. The next day, Pastor Jeff, we go to another place in Philippi. It's a big city. We're preaching in a, in a street meeting on the corner. He's moving in the Spirit. I'm moving in the Spirit. We pray. Out of the blue, these are the men of God who point you to the way of salvation and show you the Most High God. It went on for three days. Three days. And then Paul looked at the, the person with the Spirit. In the next verse, you have your Bible. And rebuke the Spirit. And commanded the Spirit to come out of her. And the Bible said immediately it left. Thank you, Brother Sammy, and thank you, Pastor. Now, now listen, in the natural thinking, we're thinking, why would Paul do that? She's talking about God. She's talking about the Most High God. That's free publicity. More people will come to the meetings. But Paul knew the Holy Spirit. This woman was in a town in the city of Philippi that was a town given to polytheism. Many gods. There is a, a teaching known as, and, and I had to learn how to pronounce it, henotheism, H-E-N-O theism. Henotheism is the worship of one God without denying the existence of other gods. Again, listen to this. Henotheism is the worship of one God without denying the existence of other gods. This demon-possessed girl was saying they'll point you to the Most High God, but for some of the people in that town, it could have been a, there another God or another God. For example, for example, it's like we know in America there's Allah, there's Buddha, there's Hare Krishna, there's a New Age. Somebody would have stand up in this service and said, He's pointing you, meaning to me, to the Most High God. Well, for them, their most high God might have been Allah. Their most high God might have been Buddha. But it looks like when she was saying that, that she was part of their team and she was not. Her God was the devil. Just because somebody says, Amen, Hallelujah, doesn't mean they agree. Just because somebody says, He is Lord, doesn't mean that they're necessarily on your side. Okay? So, so what I'm saying to you is, you and I got to learn that sometimes there are manifestations that show up. You got to be careful who you say amen to. Just because he's got him a title called Bishop Alan Matura, or Reverend Alan Matura, or Pastor Alan Matura, or potentate whatever it is. Can somebody hear me? I don't care if he bought it on the internet or earned it like I've earned mine. You better be sure before you clap your hand or bless somebody or shout hallelujah because it sounds good and it comes in in honor of the only true God and His Son, Jesus Christ. There is only one Savior, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven but Jesus' name, whereby we must be saved. Stand up, everybody, and give the Lord some praise. Come on, stand up, and everybody, after you stood up, put your hands together. Come on. Come on, put your hands together. Oh, blessed be God. Blessed be God. Now, look at me. I know what time it is. I don't want to quench your spirit. 
hear me, hear me, I tell you. This house is not a spiritual buffet. Did you hear me? This house doesn't serve Allah, Hare Krishna, and, and, uh, and then you can bring your God, and I bring my God, we all just get along. Now, the demons of hell can mimic some of the things that we Christians realize in manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but we got to quench and rebuke it. And I'm saying to you, even now, hear me this morning, God wants to fan the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. we got to go to the next level. Did you all hear me? The, the stock market's still in a big mess. The economy is still in a big mess. Our sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, are still dying thousands of miles on foreign soil. Did anybody hear me? We got, we got violence in a level in America we've never had before. We've got police officers and captains and other people in high, uh, in high positions in, in, in the law enforcement. They come to this church. We got flash mobs now where people text one another and they say at a certain time, at a certain convenience store, let's converge over there. Twenty-eight of them does. There's only one attendant there. They trash the place in the name of a mob and, and and I'm saying to you, the people, the people who call false uh, emergencies, the 911, detracting the police to one location while they do something else in another. I'm telling you all that. You already know that we need the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives to live in this kind of climate. And before you make that decision to leave her, before you make that decision to leave him, before you make that decision to partner with that person, but pastor... I am the, he's the money end and I'm the brain end. If he is not born again, you need to stay away from it. I don't care how much they could fund that new product and get you a copyright and get you some multi-million dollars. If they are not born again and they are using the flesh to get where they're going, they will use the flesh all the way if it means lying, cheating, and deceiving. Anybody helping me here? You are bought with a price. You belong to God. Don't hitch your wagon to the devil. Bow your heads with me. Now I want you to obey the Spirit. I want every praying person to pray in this house. Every praying person, every altar worker, every everyone who ministers in the altar, begin to move to this direction while every head is bowed. Every prayer partner, altar worker. I do not want anyone to quench your spirit. Everybody pray here this morning. Say, Lord, do not let me quench your spirit. Something like that. God, I'm already saved. I'm going to heaven, but I can still quench your spirit because I'm in the flesh. I live in the house of flesh, but I, I want my body to be the temple of God. Come on, you know how to pray. I'm speaking to teenagers right now. I'm speaking to teenagers who worry about your image. You worry about fitting in. You worry about being in the group. And you're called upon to do things and behave in ways that violate what you've been taught and what God wants you to do. And he says, come, I will help you. And what I will do for you, nobody else can do for you. I'm speaking to single moms. I'm speaking to dads who are divorced. Come on, pray somebody. I'm speaking to senior adults. I'm speaking to people of financial means and people who otherwise are educated and, and maybe have other kinds of things. you got some props, but they're not going to hold if you exclude the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you this morning, you say, Pastor Allen, I need to come to Christ. I am not going to choose other religions or other voices. I'm going to come to Jesus. Pray, pray church. I know what is right, and I'm going to do it. He's in the altar of praying and interceding. I need him. I need to come back to the Lord. I've put out the fire. I want the fire to burn again. Pray for me today before we leave. Raise your hands if that's you. I want to come back to the Lord in full surrender. I want the fire to burn in my spirit. Hold up your hand all over this church. 
Come on in Jesus' name. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise I will not make you a spectacle. Thank you for doing that. You may put them down. There are others of you. There's at least 25 or more that should have raised your hands. Do not quench your spirit. I'm not going to preach another sermon. I'm not going to beg you. If the Holy Spirit is not doing it right now, I'm wasting my time because He is far more superior than me. Come on, pray, saints. Pray, saints. Pastor, I need more of God in my life. I need to behave properly towards others. I need to hear the voice of God. I need to change some habits. I didn't raise my hand a while ago, but I'll raise it now since you give me another chance. God's given me another chance. Raise your hands if you didn't a moment ago. Thank you. Thank you very much. Put them down. Put them down. Thank you. God bless you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Would you, if you raise your hands, would you let me have a closing prayer with you in the altar with those who are here? Just come and stand here. I won't embarrass you, but you've got to resist the flesh now. The flesh is going to say, I already raised my hands. That's enough. Jesus stepped out for you unashamedly. Would you step out and own him today in a new way? Come in Jesus' name. Would you, if you raise your hands, step out right now. Pray, church. Nobody's looking. Nobody's going to embarrass you. If you raise your hands for anything, come and stand at this altar. And let's make a step in the right direction. More than one. Come, come if you will. Husband, wife, businessman, business lady, student, teacher. Come. Come from everywhere. Sing, my brother. Oh, in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you just a few more seconds. Don't let anybody keep you from coming. Come, come. Look at me, everybody else. And if you need to alter somebody with you, you can look at them. Everybody in this church. Everybody in this church. I have a passion like I haven't had in a long time. And I need to have it. I have a passion as your shepherd. Not to build a mega church. Not to build an empire for Alan Matura. I have a passion not even to, to, for nothing else, but for everybody in this house of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I know what it will do for you. I know what it will do for your mind, for your sleeplessness, for your restlessness, for your depression, for your panic attack, for your suicidal tendency. I know what it will do for your children. I know what it will do for your finances. I have a passion for every one of us to be filled every day. Filled every day. This may not be the best time to do this, but I'm going to do it now. I have a little book written by a man of God, General Overseer of the Church of God teaching about the Holy Spirit. It's the best book I've ever come and read in my life on the Holy Spirit. I have numbers of books on the Holy Spirit because it's such an important, He is such an important person. For $8 is what, I, what we pay for. It won't make any money. I'm, you never see me selling books up here and trying to create some, but I'm telling you, if you want to go deeper and you want more tools and you say, Pastor, I don't really understand, they'll take your order and they'll get you one for that cost. But that's what that is because I want everybody to be filled. But right now, without any book or anything else if you're hungry 
Reach up your hands to heaven one more time. Pray after me, everybody out loud. Pray after me. Lord Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, take your fan, which is the Word of God, and fan my life until the spark of the fire of the Holy Spirit burns into a fire and let your fire burn out all the impurities of my life fill me Holy Spirit now raise up your hands and begin to praise Him begin to praise Him with your mouth I praise you Jesus praise Him out a little loud enough for you to hear for the devil to hear praise Him that you're saved praise Him that you're on your way to heaven Praise Him that He forgave your sins. And while you're not perfect, you're on your way to being better. Come on, thank Him. And if you need to ask Him for anything else in the altar or in the church, ask Him, God. If you need to say, God, make me a better husband, do it right now. Come on, all over the church, sing, my brother. While they sing, you pray, God, fill me with the Spirit. And after you pray, then sing with them. I'm going to let you go in just a moment. Just stay where you are. Don't even leave the altar. If you can help it. Listen to me. All I've done in these two services is put the seed. Put the seed on your soil over your heart. Today, the Holy Spirit, tonight and tomorrow, will speak to you. Don't quench Him. Go to the bedroom, close the door, and seek Him. Go in the car, if that's the most quiet place. Don't tell anybody you're there. and Just seek Him. Turn the phone off. Remove yourself from the cell phone so you don't interrupt because the Holy Spirit say, Come. Come. Come deeper. Come higher. He calls us all the time. And He's calling you to the place of praise, purity, power. Make you a different man or woman. I've sown the seed. The Lord's going to water it. And you're going to be the recipient of the harvest. Lift your hands again and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. After you have, go ahead, thank Him for just a few more moments. Oh, blessed Jesus. When they start singing, you can tarry in the altar or you can be dismissed. God bless you as you go. You're dismissed.